and and Phil, maybe you can. I know you've talked about this before, so maybe you can dig that. Yeah, I got, and you're asking the gear junkie, right? Who's got everything? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. Your, your answer was you need three of everything, but yeah, just just generally. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, yeah, you can do very very well there with um, five or six weight, or even a little lighter if you want to go four weight. It depends. Um, you know, wind is an impact there as well. Obviously, fish size, um, but. There's, enough to keep that going and with a floating line that'll allow you to fish um, on the surface with dries and emergers. That was Phil Roy breaking down some of his Stillwater magic heading to Kamloops, BC, Skachin style today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We've always got a giveaway going, and this one today we're going to dig into a little bit. Wetflyswing.com slash giveaway is your chance to win this trip today uh, to Skachin Lodge. And we talk a little bit about it today, but if you just want to go straight up and connect and get on to this trip, you can uh, bypass the giveaway and just go right now and get that trip. I'm going to actually be heading there. Uh, so if you want to fish with me on the Stillwater with Phil Roy... Uh, which is, I am super stoked about this. One of the best out there. Uh, up your game. If you have any interest in Stillwater at all, this is a super awesome um, opportunity and uh, would love to see you there. So you can uh, enter the giveaway, do that for sure, because uh, if you win it, you get it for free. But also you can sign up for the trip right now as well. That way you know you can get your spot. I think we're only doing uh, like 10 spots. 10 spots for this bad one, uh, <laughs> for this bad boy. And uh, but if you got other ideas for other trips you want to do, I would love to hear from you. Phil Roy and Dwight Jefferson are here to shed some light on the new Stillwater School they have going at Skachin Lodge. We find out a little more about Skachin, what it's all about, how it's different uh, from a lot of the Kamloops area fisheries with these wild rainbows, and uh, we talk about how they target them on the surface and just under the surface. Pretty cool, pretty cool thing with these wild fish. And plus, the normal tips and tricks from Phil. Lake Lady Rods builds distinctive custom rods, each created one at a time to the exact specifications for each angler. Lake Lady only uses top-of-the-line products and components. Just ask some of the governor's senders and generals Chris has produced rods for, including Jesse Ventura. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash lakelady to check out these one-of-a-kind custom rods now. That's wetflyswing.com slash lakelady. A lake a day for as long as you stay. So without further ado, here is Dwight Jefferson and Phil Rowley from skachin.com. How's it going, guys? Fabulous. How are you, Dave? Yeah. Good. Going well. Good. Oh, well. Yeah, great to great to have you both on here. We got uh, uh, Phil. Obviously, you've been on here a couple times. You're a you're our Stillwater guru. Whenever we have questions on the Stillwater, we take it to you. And and Dwight, you're with Skachin Lodge, which we're going to dig into today a little bit on what you have going with a big a big giveaway, a big Stillwater School package, and all of that. But um, before we jump into it, we've heard a lot from Phil. We know his background. Um, Dwight, why don't you start us off and talk a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you're connected to Skachin. Okay, well, I'm a guy who uh, was sitting at a charity auction one night, and uh, my brother-in-law had too many drinks and paid too much for a fishing trip to a place called Skachin Lodge. And uh, up until that point in my life, I'd fished off the back of the family boat and caught a few salmon because I live out in coastal British Columbia. But uh, 
he dragged us up to this uh, place we'd never heard of to do something we'd never done, which was called fly fishing. Hmm. And uh, long story short, uh, I liked it so much, I bought the lodge. Wow. Uh, and uh, that's a huge exaggeration because the lodge is actually owned by a group of like-minded fly fishermen. Uh, right now we have about uh, 23 partners and uh, we've, we all pitch in to keep the thing running. Uh, we are a uh, seasonal uh, fly fishing lodge sitting in uh, Bonaparte Provincial Park in beautiful British Columbia on a plateau about 5,000 feet above sea level. Got uh, 15 lakes for 14 guests and we're open from June 1st uh, up until about the 20th of September. Uh, prior to June 1st, uh, there's so much snow you can't even get up there. And on the 20th of September, give or take 24 hours, the pipes all freeze and it's time to go home. Uh, but uh, I, uh, it, that particular uh, trip launched for me a, a, you know, a, a new lifetime passion and uh, turned me into a fly fisherman. Uh, cold water, warm water. I've uh, fished a lot of places for a lot of different species. And uh, I, uh, like uh, the rest of us, uh, own far more uh, equipment than my wife knows about. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's absolutely become my, uh, my passion. There you go. There you go. Like, like a lot of us. And I know Phil has the same story. We'll, I'll put a link out to Phil's uh, past episodes. They were good. Um, uh, but Phil, take us, give us a quick snippet for people that don't know you or haven't heard you yet. Uh, who, who are you and how are you connected to Skachin? Well, I, I'm a fly fishing, uh, like Dwight, I fell in love with fly fishing. I've been doing it for 35 plus years, but, um, uh, you know, I jokingly say, uh, if it swims or eats, I'll chase it with a fly. Um, but my real passion is still water fly fishing. That's what uh, is my favorite uh, aspect of the sport. So I spend a lot of time uh, chasing trout and other species in lakes all over North America, South America. I do schools. Uh, I've written four books. I've done DVDs. Um, anything to do with still water fly fishing, uh, yeah. I'm I'm in on it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And, and, and we've had, a, we've done a few uh, Stillwater episodes and I know Brian Chan mm -hmm. is a big uh, partner and some of you know, yep. well, he's been up there. We did one on Kamloops actually. I'll put a link to that one as well. And, um, and that's what we're talking about here, right? We're, we're in the Kamloops area. Absolutely. Uh, Skachin Lodge is uh, about an hour Northwest of Kamloops uh, as the crow flies, it takes a little longer, but uh, you access it by, uh, by car. Uh, you're, once you're up at the top of the logging road on the plateau and on the edge of the provincial park, uh, it's a wilderness preserve with uh, no motor vehicle access, uh, no way in except on foot or uh, when we take you in on one of our ATVs. We are uh, basically uh, about as remote and off the grid as you can get uh, while still seeing, uh, you know, the lights of Kamloops uh, in the twilight uh, on the occasional clear night. There you go. So this is pretty remote. So if somebody's coming in there, let's say somebody was coming in from, you know, down in the lower 48 down here. Uh, what, what's that like to get up there? Is that pretty simple? Uh, talk about that. Tell us if we're, we're if we want to head up there. Are people driving up there? What's that look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody uh, from Vancouver, you are five hours door to door from uh, uh, Vancouver International Airport uh, to uh, the pickup uh, for the lodge. Uh, Kamloops, uh, of course, uh, has an airport for domestic, so you can connect and, uh, and, uh, grab a 
grab a car in Kamloops and come up. I get a lot of people coming in from uh, Calgary and Edmonton uh, by vehicle. And, uh, you know, another option for people coming up uh, internationally is to fly into Calgary International and drive out or Calgary and connect into Kamloops. So uh, pretty straightforward, uh, but uh, from Vancouver, which is sort of the most common way to get in there, uh, five hours door to door after you land in Vancouver. There you go. So pretty, pretty easy to get up there. It sounds like. Yeah. And the roads are all good. Uh, the, uh, lots of people come up and, uh, in, in cars that you wouldn't want to put on a logging road. And, uh, right. the only, uh, trouble anybody ever had was, uh, when they lost their keys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, the road, the road, the road's great in there. Um, uh, really, really easy access, kind of scenic when you're driving along that, uh, little Creek or river Dwight. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah. yeah, there's uh, this uh, this park uh, was Crown Land when the lodge originally started uh, about 52 years ago. A group of like-minded uh, people came up, uh, built some cabins, and uh, you know it was pretty rudimentary at first. But over the years, it's evolved into a uh, partnership. Uh, as I said a bunch of people who uh, love fly fishing. Uh, running the lodge each year costs us about what uh, we charge to guests from the public to come up. Um, although it's privately owned by a bunch of partners, uh, it does sit in what is now a provincial park and wilderness preserve. And uh, a requirement of anybody operating in those things is that uh, it's available to the public. And so this is a uh, a combination of, of coming up to a place that feels like home uh, that uh, is also available to anybody who wants it. And so, you know, we, we like to think we feel a little less commercial than, uh, than a lot of other options in the uh, stillwater fishing world. Um, but we have, uh, uh, how much, uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven pieces of uh, infrastructure up there. Uh, we've got cabins uh, that uh, sleep four in, uh, you know, with uh, you know, two per room with ensuite bathrooms. We have uh, room for so two cabins that sleep four, and we've got room for uh, six more in the lodge in in three bedrooms. Uh, it's all off the grid, so we run on solar and uh, the occasional uh, assist from our our uh, friendly generators. And uh, we also have a phenomenal chef. And uh, so you're not uh, you're not roughing it uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's a lovely, high end place to show up, feel like you're at home, and get great food and spectacular stillwater fishing. That sounds perfect. Yeah, and the the food is obviously key. Uh, I'm curious, and we're going to dig into more a little bit on the lodge and the fishing uh, here in a bit. Um, and maybe feel you could take us there. I'm, I'm just thinking Kamloops. You know, again, people hear about Kamloops, but maybe people don't know. Um, you know, there's still water all over the the place, right? All over the world. I just talked to somebody in Norway who said their still water fishing is amazing over there. But talk about Kamloops. Why is Kamloops different, maybe, than some other still water areas? Well, as you pointed out, there, there are definitely a lot of fantastic lakes scattered all over this planet. That's uh, <laughs> helps feed my yeah. my love for stillwater fly fishing. But the Kamloops area is just a perfect blend of um, just the way the geography um, shaped the land and um, the lakes it created. You know, as, as Ice Age receded, um, these lakes are 
generally pretty shallow uh, and and small and and very productive. So the nutrients that come into these lakes um, stay in the lakes. They're not flushed out quickly, so they get to settle in, and then that creates a nice fertile um, substrate bottom uh, for weeds and plants to grow, uh, which provides habitat. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, just the perfect amount of rainfall, the perfect amount of uh, sunlight, all the little variables that go into making a great still water uh, are found there. And there's lots of lakes. Um, you know, I think one of the tourism slogans in that region for many years has been a lake a day for as long as you stay. So it's just a perfect <laughs> place. And of course, Skitchin is settled um, right in amongst that. And I think what makes Skitchin unique is, is the wild fish that are there. These are fish that um, are naturally reproducing. You know, a lot of the, some of the other lakes, and, and it's no disrespect to them by any stretch, are maintained uh, through stocking because they're landlocked, um, because the you know, rainbows and, and trout need moving water to spawn. But these guys have, have got the perfect balance up at Skitchin. So you've got these beautiful wild rainbows um you know they can get they can get to, to be a good size but that wildness just they're feisty they give they punch well above their weight and um, because they're natural as well um, what makes them a little different from some of the stock fish is they're they love to come to the surface and eat and that's the one thing oh, wow. about stillwater fishing generally that at least in my travels i see is you don't always get that opportunity to take fish uh, on top. Usually it's subsurface presentations. And of course they certainly work at Skitchin, but boy, it's sure nice to, to go to one of the surrounding lakes of Skitchin and, or even Dagger where Skitchin is located on um, and uh, toss out a dry. And even though there's nothing really hatching, you know, usually there's somebody willing and able to come up and, and give you some good surface fun. Uh, there it is. So dry fly. Yeah. And I know st- uh, Phil, you have a ton of tips with uh, you know the coronamids and all the stuff under the surface but i mean this so when people go up here uh, potentially in june there's going to be some dry fly action yeah I, I, um, yeah there should be uh, you know mayfly calabatus be around um mm-hmm. caddis coming off um probably some damsel activity um there's always you know a little bit of breeze uh, some little beetle or ant gets in a place it shouldn't be and of mm-hmm. course coronamids these fish are just you know i think Dwight can speak to a better just condition to look up for lunch every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's interesting. I've been uh, up there about 20 years and uh, sort of the evolution of the dry fly side of it back uh, is mostly pine forest uh, when we were up there and uh, back before the, the pine beetles came through, uh, I would, you know, confidently tell you, we have nice caddis hatches uh, and, uh, you know, even uh, even in June, uh, you know, things are looking very good on the surface. Um, and after the after the pine forests were uh, were were taken out by the pine beetle, uh, the caddis, uh, you know, there's less caddis, but the fish have never seemed to care. Um, yeah, the fish, hmm. fish. If if there isn't a caddis hatch, you can create your own. Uh, and uh, now, uh, you know, twenty years later, uh, we're seeing you know those hatches uh, come back. Uh, but as Phil says, uh, when you get a coronamid hatch going on up there, there's nothing like it. And, uh, you know, that's when uh, you can, you know, can have days where the number of fish you catch just depends on how quickly you can get your line back in the water. So uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. That's it. So maybe we can get into, I want to get into a few uh, little still water tips of, get, you know, getting ready to fish it. And, and let's take it to, 
you know, people listening here, you know, might not know about this area or, or this lake. You said Dagger Lake specifically, um, but we're also doing a Stillwater School, right? This is part of this thing that we're we're putting together. So let, let's start there. Let's talk about first of all, so we don't miss that um, on this school. What does this look like for somebody who, if they want to do, how is this different than just like you know, getting a room and going up there and going fishing at the lake? What's different is they're going to be. Um you know, we're, once they arrive, they uh, will saddle them in and, and, and get some food in them. And then we'll start, um, as we do with every day, there will be a um, Stillwater-focused seminar that is unique and appropriate and accurate for, you know, what we're at at Skitchin. So they'll they'll have the ability to uh, to learn and then learn on the job, if you will. They can go out, they can experience it. Uh, myself uh, and another person who's uh, working with me on this, Greg, will, will, will be there as a resource. So they, they don't have to go on the voyage of discovery by themselves. I find in the Stillwater schools I do, one of the benefits is um, because we can all come together at any point in the day or in the evening and have a little debrief, we're all working on the same problem as opposed to everybody's off on their own little you know, section and trying to figure it all out. We're all working together and I, I, the enjoyment just comes in and, and it, the camaraderie that these schools build typically within the first night, everybody, because we're all like-minded, we're all there for the same reasons and uh, everybody just gels and, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of good friendships have, have come from the, these types of schools, uh, right, Dwight? Everybody just sort of bonds yeah. together and it's, it's really neat to watch that dynamic develop and as quickly as it does. I arrived uh, up at, on the last night of Phil's school uh, last year uh, to the lodge and I uh, got there just before dinner time. And, you know, what I saw was a dozen really, really happy people who had had a lot of fun. And uh, you know, we can talk about this a little more later, but, uh, you know, we're always open to bringing on new partners. We have a couple of categories of membership. And, you know, I know the results of that uh were that uh, we now got a couple of new members of our adventure club. Uh, so, you know, people who come to Skichin, you know, just like I did the first time, uh, they, they love it. They keep coming back. And uh, that's, in fact, how our partnership is built. It's just people who get up there, say, hey, I want to be part of this. Uh, said, you know, we got we, we got uh, 15 lakes for 14 guests. You can be, you know, you can be all alone on a lake for the whole Amazing. day or we've got we've got boats on all the lakes. Uh, the uh, and you know well-equipped boats. So uh, you know, as Phil said, uh, Dagger Lake's a big lake. Uh, I think we got ten boats on it, and uh, everybody in the lodge can be on one lake, uh, or you can be on your own lake. And the only other you know living being you'll see is either under the water or in the sky, or or on the dock growling Maybe at you. Growling at you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I've multiple times I've been fishing and had a moose swim by as they cross the lake. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty wonderful place. Yeah, there's definitely no urbanization up there. That's for sure. It's just uh, a pretty good place to sort of lose yourself and, and sort of what's important in life, you know, kind of a reset off. And that's the cool thing here, Phil, is that you had the flexibility to, you know, you can kind of lose yourself or, you know, for me, I think of this like, you know, the chance to sit there and fish with you side by side with you is a huge a huge thing, right? Because uh, we're talking about Stillwater School. So talk about, let, let's do a little bit of like day one just to walk people through. So like you said, we come down, we get we get some great food, we're ready to go, we get on, on the water. And so what is that first day? Is that what we're doing? Is we're getting out there like morning the first day and then you're sitting there doing like a little session? 
Yeah. Um, what typically happens is they would, you know, the day of arrival, everybody sort of trickles in according to their travel schedules. And then the, the sort of the, the first night's dinner kicks it off. And once everybody's, um, you know, <laughs> digesting and open to, yeah. su- open to suggestion, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I provide a, an orientation session, sort of, you know, housekeeping stuff and what's going on and what their week's going to look like. Plus a little snapshot of, of where we are in the season and, and where the lakes are and how they're behaving. Um, because although they're called still waters, they're really not. They're always in some form of flux. So we want to make sure we're, you know, targeting the right, uh, the right waters and, and what to expect as far as hatches and, and go over the gear and all the things. So they're ready to go the next morning. So after breakfast, I do another little um, session. Always do my sessions in the morning um, because everybody's wide awake and, um, you know, mm-hmm. prepared for the day. Um, and then obviously we go out uh, We and we're going to obviously target lakes that have been, um, you know, being particularly playful. Um, so that could be the main lake on Dagger. It could be, you know, one of the other satellite lakes around. And uh, we sort of break up into groups and teams. Um, so we'll make sure everybody's um, supported. Somebody's there with them. Um, but there's always guests that love to go off by themselves. And that's fine, too. So it's very um, flexible as far as what people want to do and how they want to do it. And that's sort of how every day comes. Everybody then fishes for the day. We come in, we have dinner again. We have a little debrief um as well a chance a little less formal but a chance to what work what sizzle what fizzle um those kind of things so people can apply that um to their learning as well um you know because a lot of it is the learning is a little bit obviously we're going to guide them and and set them up for as much success as we can um but also that they get to discover themselves because a lot of times they'll find uh, you know discover little tricks and nuances that nobody else knew or you know or adapted something and and then we all learn from that experience. So, and then it culminates on the last night with it with a um, dinner, and we have a little uh, fun event for them. Um, you know, some uh, um, something they can remember their their entire uh, week by, and a chance for them to really uh, provide us with some feedback. So, we, you know, every time we do these, we just continue to grow and develop and improve all the time. So it just gets better and better. So. And are people coming up there for typically how long are they staying? If I mean, you've got the school, but just typically when people come up there, are they staying for like a day or a week or what's that look like? Yeah, most of the guests uh, who are partners uh, will come up there for a, a partnership unit gets you 15 nights. So uh, it, and whether guys, you know, use that on their friends or use all 15 nights themselves is, uh, is uh, up to them. <laughs> but uh, we, we've got guys that stay up there uh a, a week uh, that's not unusual at all uh, I don't think uh, you you don't want to come up there for one night because you'll be disappointed you have to leave uh, you can't explore enough of the property all these lakes are an easy hike uh, the the, the uh, most lakes are within five minutes of Dagger Lake so you may cross Dagger Lake in a boat to another dock and then wander a trail but uh, the the furthest away uh you know the first first you're ever going to have to hike uh will be 25 30 minutes and they're all within about 150 to 300 feet of elevation of one another so uh for uh, for most people it's uh it's it's easy to get around and uh and 
you know, so there's lots of places to explore. So a two or three night minimum to, to get a, a sense of what the uh, this place is like. That said, uh, because we're an hour from Kamloops uh, and because our chef, Terry, uh, has developed uh, quite a reputation uh, in her in her first year, uh, we get people coming up from Kamloops uh, just to have dinner and stay the night. People who don't, oh, wow. people who don't even fish. Uh, that's nice. And, and uh, you know, that says something about about our chef because uh, it, uh, it's, you know, it's a hike. Yeah. That's really cool. Can you go up there and um, just camp on your own, like around these uh, these lakes? Are people doing that as well? Um, it is a wilderness preserve and provincial park, uh, so there is uh, no reason you can't be. Uh, the reality is, the only other people we ever see in the park are the occasional uh, scout troop uh, going through on a on a portage camping trip. Uh, they're they're other than the trails that we cut and clear, there aren't even, even uh, you know any major trails through the park, so it is very remote. And uh, yes, you can camp in the summer, uh, but we're at five thousand feet, so uh, it can snow in August. Uh, I've also been up there on the first of June uh, in uh, seventy degrees and sunny and t-shirt and shorts fishing. So you and or I've been up there in June and you know knee deep snow. Uh, so you never know yeah. what you're going to get and you can get all of those on the same day. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Now I'll say it's quite the, you know, when you pull into the parking lot and then you're greeted by a ATV with a trailer loaded in and you're going down this, uh, somewhat bumpy, uh, um, driveway <laughs> into the lodge. And then when you see that main lodge sort of come into view, it's like, Holy smokes, this is not what I expected um to see mm. here it's like an oasis <laughs> um right it's, it's something to see for the first time there you go i want to wrap up the stillwater school just so we know before we jump into a couple other things here um so the school that that's going to be going on is going to be basically four is it four days of fishing or is it what's that look like yeah you've got uh four days of fishing uh the school starts uh june 12th so people would arrive uh, june 12th and uh, arrive in the in the uh, arrive any time afternoon and uh, sort of get oriented. Maybe go out do a little fishing on your own. As Phil mentioned, he'd have he'll have his orientation that evening at dinner, and then uh, it's three full days with uh, Phil and uh, his and Greg and uh, on the water. Uh, and uh, so you and after your fourth night there, uh, a lot of people will uh, will. You know, fish half a day before they head out on the uh, 16th. Yep, head on the 16th. So, in, and in those days, like you said, you you might be out, um, you know, with Phil one day or two days. You might be with Greg one day. You might be on your own a couple of days. So, you, it's open. It's it's kind of whatever everybody wants to do, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, we we will have a schedule with everyone, so it's not just a um, you know um, kind of a chaotic point at different people over breakfast each morning. Um, there will be that's part of the orientation on day one, so-and-so and so-and-so with Phil, so-and-so and so-and-so here, there, there. So they have an, an idea where they are. So they know if they want to go off and explore another lake, um, they can, then it's not, uh, you know, they're not missing out, uh, on, on spending time with me or, or Greg or, or gotcha. anything like that. So it's, it's very organized and structured. So, um, they really just have to go up there and have fun. That's, that's the number one requirement. Enjoy yourself. 
That's it. Okay. So, so it's pretty straightforward. And, and uh, so, and on the details of, of the, you know, what you're getting into, let, let's go into that, into that a little bit, just on a couple of tips here. So if somebody's getting ready for this, they might be doing this school, which sounds amazing, or maybe they'll just be, you know, maybe they'll win this giveaway, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but what getting prepared for it, is this a total newbie, never fished still water before? Would that person be good to go if they won the giveaway, that sort of thing? Um, yeah, we, we cater to all levels. Um, obviously if you have a little experience and, and can cast and, um, the better you can cast, probably the more, um, you know, the more opportunity for success there is, but we will, you know, we're happy to work with people with their casting. That's, that's one of the beauties of mm-hmm. this is, um, especially if they're on the dry fly, because you will, you know, pick up, you know, and cast somewhere else and pick up and cast somewhere else. And I remember that's how my son at the time was about seven or eight. That's how he learned to really hone his casting was just the repetition of of picking up and laying that fly down, picking it up and laying that fly down. And it's amazing the progress you can make in these kind of scenarios where you're, you're just doing it all day long without really realizing you're doing it. You're so engrossed on the fishing. So it's a great opportunity for somebody who's perhaps new to fly fishing and wants to develop it further. And there's also lots of opportunity for the more seasoned angler as well, because we can cater, you know, when I'm with people, I can, you know, cater, you know, Matt, you know, I always ask them, what do they want to, what are their expectations? What are they hoping to get out of this? So we can, you know, tailor our approach to each situation. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, has made this place so special for the, for the people who are partners and keep coming back is uh, there's a lot of great technical fishing. Every lake is different. There are big challenges. There are places there I still haven't fished. And I know that uh, last year, uh, these guys uh, fished a spot that's within sight of the lodge uh, off of on Dagger Lake that uh, I'd never fished in 20 years. I didn't know there were any fish in that little part of the lake. And uh, it's now you know, it's now one of my favorite go-tos. So uh, hmm. the, uh, yeah, there's, you're, whether you're an experienced angler or just getting going, uh, you, know, you won't be bored. Togan's Fly Shop, providing superior quality products at an affordable price. A great resource for tying materials, tools, accessories, a whole bunch of good stuff. Justin's got things rolling over there, including a great YouTube channel. So if you want to dig into it, you can check out Togan's uh, at togans.com or on the YouTube channel, Togan's. Togan's offers their fly tying box, which simplifies the process and one stop shop and you can get a package of goods delivered to your doorstep. We've got some good stuff going with Togan's uh, this year and including including the trivia night. So if you haven't checked that out, you can go to wetflyswing.com slash trivia and enter the trivia night right now. Uh, and this is going to be a fun one. So I know Togans has some good stuff. We're going to be connecting there through that YouTube channel, as we talked about before. Since 2005, Togans has been over-delivering on price and customer service, and it's time for you to check out the good stuff right now. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash Togans. Take a look at their diverse selection now. That's Togans, T-O-G-E-N-S. Okay, back to the show. 
let's jump into a couple tips. And I think this is going to be fun because I know, uh, you know, Phil, you've given us a ton. We can go back to those past episodes, but let's jump into a little back and forth here and think of some tips as we're going here. Uh, so again, we're getting ready for this trip. You know, let's say the person has their, their gear for the most part, you know, I guess they could probably, even if they just had a dry line and a six weight, um, that would be enough to get them going. Let's start there. Is that the case or do we need, does somebody need a, a lot of gear as far as the fly lines and rods to get ready? And Phil, maybe you can, I know you've talked about this yeah, before. I, so maybe uh, you and you're asking the gear junkie, right? Who's got everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. your, your answer was you need three of everything, but yeah, just, just generally. Yeah. Um, well, obviously uh, you can do very, very well there with um, five or six weight or even a little lighter. If you want to go four weight, it depends. Um, you know, wind is an impact there as well. Obviously fish size, um, but there's, enough to keep that going and with a floating line that'll allow you to fish um, on the surface with dries and emergers. Uh, I know Dwight's a big fight fan of the timberline emerger. So after discussions with him last year, there was a few of those stowed in my box. Um, you can also fish, you know, suspend flies under indicators, a very popular way to fly fish lakes nowadays. And you can um, just fish traditional um, dry line or floating line and long leader presentations with small nymphs, the chronomid pupa, things like that, if they're feeding subsurface. Um, so a, a floating line is a very versatile um, tool to have and probably your number one line that you'll be using uh, when you're there. So you don't, you know, maybe a clear intermediate. And uh, if you want to, if yeah. the fish, you know, have decided to go off into deeper water, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I, you know, last year I spent, had some enjoyable time on dagger, just fishing, you know, traditional lock style where, um, I brought a drogue along with me and you use the drogue. It's like an underwater parachute to slow and control your drift and just had a beautiful drift from one end of the lake, right to the other end. Cause there's some beautiful long drifts there and, uh, you know, got to suck in the scenery and all that and just, you know, feel small and insignificant mm. in the world, which is good sometimes. And, um, you know, just cast out and retrieve and just let the boat cover the water for you, right? While you're still casting and retrieving. So, um, you know, some kind of usually um, a little faster sinking line with that, depending on how fast the boat's drifting. The faster it drifts, the faster the sink rate. So maybe a, a line that sinks at three or five inches per second. So those three lines, but I would okay. say, and, and Dwight can use more experience up there, but your, your floating line is probably your workhorse um, line, most versatile. Uh, and uh, I think you, you've nailed it, Phil, that I would have said uh, pretty much the same thing in that order. I carry five rods fully rigged uh, uh, just because I'm a gear junkie, too. But that way I've <laughs> got, you know, I've got a, a, a sinking line, an intermediate, a sink tip, uh, nymphing line uh, and uh, and the dry line. So uh, and that's purely because uh, then I spend less time rigging and more time fishing. Yep. Yeah. And that's always and, a good tip because I think people, if you, you know, to somebody who's new or maybe they're not experiencing as much success as they like and see other people doing it, they're reluctant to make those changes, Dwight. So they don't do it. Right. And then you come off the lake while well, we switch to this. Oh, I should have done that. Whereas if it's right beside you, pick it up and go. Right. You're as humans, <laughs> we tend to be lazy sometimes. So path of least resistance. But if it's just a matter of reeling one in, hooking the you know the hook, the fly on the keeper, putting it down, picking the other rod up, and casting, um, you're much more prone to doing that. Yeah. And I love that. And we do have a we do have a, a fly and tackle shop up there, small shop. But we can certainly we can certainly rig you up uh, if you showed up in a business suit and, and and it was snowing. We can take care of you. 
No kidding. So you have a so there's a tackle shop at at the lodge, or how's that? Yes, work? yeah. We we stock uh, the office. Uh, the office is the tackle shop, but we've got a great selection of flies for the area. There's always uh, three or four rods and reels available, and then you know all the usual stuff: leaders and bobbers and uh, anything else you can think of. And uh, the uh, we do find uh, we do find that. Uh, you know, fear of missing out does motivate some purchases. Sometime when somebody else comes back with a big lunker and you haven't had a good day, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be the rod, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and we also prior to the school we put out, uh, you know, sort of a recommended equipment list of rods, lines, flies, um, those kind of things. So, you know, um, nothing yeah. worse than somebody saying to us, "You didn't tell us that was going to happen." So we try to take as much of that away as possible. So you arrive, you know, prepared as, as best we can, because it's mother nature. She, she loves to um, throw in wild cards every now and then just to, you know, keep you on your toes. So. Gotcha. So, so that's, so that's the school and that's awesome. It sounds amazing being able to fish with, you know, and learn, you know, I mean, obviously that's a huge part of this. So, so let's, let's go into the giveaway a little bit. So think of the person right now is listening and, and they can enter this giveaway pretty easily. We're going to put a link out there. I'll probably have a link. Um, well, I know I'll have a link at wetflyswing.com slash giveaway, and that'll redirect them over where they can sign up and enter this giveaway. So, so what's the giveaway? What's that look like? Is that kind of what we've been talking about here? Like if somebody like, say we're talking to the person that's going to win when they come up here, are they going to be part of this program that we've just talked about today? Yes, the the giveaway is uh, so the the fly fishing school is uh, capped at twelve students, and uh, so that you know ensures that uh, everybody gets plenty of time with the pros. And uh, the uh, two of those uh, two of those students will have uh, will be there because they want a giveaway. So uh, the giveaway is a uh, a trip for two, uh, all in, all inclusive, and uh, that's something we should say when you come to Skechin, uh your price includes everything. Uh, that's your meals, your beverages, uh, your lunches on the water. So hot breakfast in the morning, uh, bag lunch on the water in the day, uh, dinner, cocktails, uh, the, uh, or, sorry, dinner, beer and wine. And, uh, we like to say that the, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, uh, so. <laughs> and then we've got, uh, we've got boats, uh, you know, the boats are, are all there. Your uh, contest winners are literally going to enjoy all of this, and uh, all they have to do is show up with a smile and a positive attitude. That's it, positive attitude, and and, and they're going to see Phil with his uh, big smile, and and, and Greg's going to be there. It's going to be a, a cool situation. So, so that person, let's take that person. So, say right now, we're, we're, the person listening has won won this thing, and they're coming up there on day one, and they're fishing with Phil. Uh, what's that look like, Phil? Like right now, if you're just thinking like where that person's going, is are they heading to Dagger or what, what would you be looking at? Sure. Yeah. We're, so we're, we're going to have that exhausting 25 yard walk to the boat launch, uh, boat, <laughs> the ramp, hop in one of the, the uh, fully outfitted boats, um, four stroke motors, anchor systems, everything you need um, to fish properly. So you're, you're focused on the fishing and not fighting the boats. Um, and we're just going to be looking for, you know, we're going to be targeting generally the shallower areas. That's where fish go to feed. That's mm-hmm. where the food lives. Um, so we're going to be moving around there, targeting some of the, you know, structural areas. Um, there's some beautiful drop-offs there, some weed beds. Those are places we're going to look out for. We're going to be looking for signs of hatch on the water, those kind of things. Um, you know, basically just um, got our eyes and ears open everywhere, every piece of intelligence we can gather and, and just start, um, 
working from there, probably start maybe suspending something under an indicator a little bit for um, get a fish and then we, you know, careful use of a throat pump, um, see mm. what that fish has been feeding on and then fine tune our presentations from there. And, um, you know, a lot of times you're just experimenting. So there's, you know, typically there's two people with me in the boat. So one person would fish one way and I might encourage somebody to fish the other. So we just cover our bases and then quickly narrow it down and then uh, have at her from there. That's perfect. So, so there's going to be a, probably a couple people, you and a couple people in the yeah, boat. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that all breaks out. But yeah, something like that. That's it. Okay. So, you're, and you're testing some different things, and maybe there's you might have three different setups, and then whatever's working, you double down on that. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and Dwight, how about you? Let's say, I, and I know you might not be up there every night, but if somebody was to go out there and fish in, you know, on a boat with you, how would that look? Would it look different, or where would you be headed? What, what lake would you be going to? Well, yeah. So uh, we all, we get we tend to get uh, our our favorite spots, our favorite lakes, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the lake that uh, that I probably uh, you know favor the most uh, is is one called Couture. Uh, it is it's a big lake. Uh, it's a little higher elevation, and uh, the outer lakes all have rowboats on them. By the way, because uh, they're all small enough that you can do it. Couture is about the Couture is one of those lakes where whatever direction you're rowing that's the direction the wind's blowing from uh, <laughs> so you get your exercise nice. but uh you know there are lakes that are filled with smaller fish there are lakes that are more trophy lakes uh, a little less productive but some bigger fish um i tend to uh to you know head out to couture and i want to get my line in the water the minute i leave the dock because the first productive weed bed is at the dock and, uh, and head out from there. Uh, you know, Couture's a lake where you are expecting bigger fish and you're looking for coronamid hatches at, uh, at the far end of the lake, hence the rowing. Uh, as every place does, there's a special spot. And uh, our trophy lake is a lake called Bob's. And the partners out there will say, you know, a, a good day on Bob's is when you get out there and you get in a boat. A great day on Bob's when you get out there and you actually see a fish, you know, just a flick of a tail or a rise or a ring. And uh, if you ever catch a fish on Bob's, uh, that's a phenomenal day, but it will not be a small fish. Uh, we have a uh, we have an annual uh, contest, the Slab Master, uh, for the biggest fish of the year. And uh, more often than not, it comes out of Bob's. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the... Uh, Biggest fish last year was uh, 26 and a half inches, uh, run around five, five and a half pounds. Uh, I think by the time you get up there, uh, I think uh, my brother-in-law got a 28 or 29 inch a couple of years ago out of there. Um, And uh, I could probably introduce you to half a dozen partners who say there's no fish in Bob's, never caught a fish in Bob's. Right. They're hiding. They're holding out, Dwight. They're holding out. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, But uh, I've also, uh, you know, I've had days on on Couture where uh, you fight all day uh, and, you know, pull in half a dozen fish. And uh, I've had days on Couture where uh, you lose track after 30 or 35. And uh, and these are, these are you know, good-sized fish, too. Uh, and, you know, for kids, we've got lakes where you can go out and, and uh, pull, you know, 70, 10 to 12-inch fish out, uh, just casting into the weeds. Oh, wow. And these are all, like you said, these are all wild fish, wild, totally. Yeah, they, the, the, uh, 
these are all uh, you know Kamloops rainbow trout that uh, reproduce in the spawning streams. Uh, and uh, well, Brian Chan was up there a few years ago, and uh, we can talk more about the about the lakes because, of course, uh, with the fires this uh, this summer, uh, things are things can be different. But Brian Chan a few years ago, and Brian had uh, helped stock the lakes when he was with uh, BC Freshwater Fisheries Society um, over the years. But uh, he uh, he said to us when he sort of came up for a visit, he said, you know, you guys have five times the catch rate of the, of the area and you never catch any of the marked fish that I've put in there. None of them. I think your fish just eat our fish. So we don't need <laughs> to stock them anymore. Your fish are great. <laughs> and no uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a pretty unique, uh, unique place and said uh, because it's a it's a wilderness preserve and because the access is so limited and uh, and because it's 5,000 feet right it's a short season so you get uh, you get these fish that are tough you know and uh, they feed voraciously when the ice comes off the lakes uh, middle to the end of May so you're getting yep. uh, we're getting you know turnover doesn't happen until the beginning of June and uh, in the lakes that are deep enough to turn over and uh yeah those fish they don't have long to fatten up for winter so they go pretty hard there you go well that's great yeah because you know most times you're thinking the you know late july through the summer months generally in the lower elevation lakes we refer to that as the summer doldrums and you, you find other things to do because the fishing just goes off and it's not really a good sport to you know catch fish with low oxygen you know the water temperature is high the oxygen you know the tough for the fish to recover but up here at Skachin it's it's all season long right because of the elevation it's um the lakes don't um you know get subject to that same kind of uh, stresses gotcha okay um well Dwight give us um give us a uh, your top fly if you're fishing uh in June and and give us a tip think about it. do you have something to start to take us out of here yeah, I think uh I think you know Phil already mentioned it uh <laughs> you know one of the one of the uh one of the you know beautiful sights uh, from the deck at the lodge uh, in the evening, uh, when the lake is calm and the wind is down, uh, are the rings as the as the fish are, are coming up and and feeding subsurface. And I think for the first ten years that I was up there, I would go out after dinner and I'd look at these hundreds of fish just coming up in these rings on the surface, and I would cast anything and everything I had fruitlessly and never catch a thing. And then one day, a, uh, one of my partners took pity on me and I'm heading out there and he said, "Wait, take this. And he dumped a little timberline merger in my hand. And uh, it's that subsurface, uh, whether it's, whether it's a, you know, a caddis merger, whatever you're looking at, it's that it's that when the fish are feeding just subsurface, it's great to have something that you can drag just below the water they, you, you can you know you can cast to rises all night long with a beautiful drive but when they're feeding just below the surface uh you know think a merger think a hover line uh you know mm -hmm. six to 12 inches below the water surface and uh and that's probably the uh you know that's probably this this the secret tip that i've now just given up and uh it will now yeah. You know, my partners will now all know it. So when they listen yeah. to this episode. <laughs> well, Dwight, I, I did, uh, you know, after talking to you before last year's event, there was a, a more than a few timber lines that got added to the box because that's a traditional Randall Kaufman pattern. That's probably oh, nice. in, in, in all of the uh, uh, patterns that are out there nowadays. Some of those more classic traditional patterns um, are still as, as good now or probably even better than ever because they're, 
um, they're a little, you know, different from what everybody's throwing today. Right. So that's always a good, there sometimes go. that's a very good thing to throw something uh, completely different than everybody else's. Well, yeah, Randall, we just mentioned, I had John Shui on in a recent episode and he noted, uh, he just came out with a book. I think it's like the 50 flies of Oregon or something like that. And, and Randall Kaufman was a big Oregon influencer, you know, a uh, guy. Well, he yeah. was also, a, a, you know, quite, you know, a, you know, Randall fished all over and chased many things, but his lake, you know, he did that book, Lake Fishing on the Fly with uh, Dr. Oh, Ron yeah. Cordes. And uh, yeah, that's, I've huh. still got that. I don't know. I've, it's obviously way out of print, but it's still a great reference uh, if you can find it. If not, then you can get my Amazing. book. You can get my book too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you got to, but yeah, we'll, we'll plug that. That's yeah, uh, you got okay. the Orvis. You yeah, actually sure. have the guide to the Orvis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Love and it. I, Love I can it. plug that for you, Phil. Because <laughs> okay. uh, I, so if, if you'll bear with me, I uh, was talking to uh, a fellow who runs a tackle shop in Vancouver, and I was looking for uh, my favorite book for beginners which was uh, skip morris and brian chan his mm-hmm. book uh, was published many years ago and he said i just called brian he says it's out of print and we're not printing anymore because phil's oh, nailed wow. it by phil's book it's the bible so there you go, go. second hand attributed to was, brian chan <laughs> that was quite the humbling content uh, compliment rather so uh yeah, that is. yeah, Brian and I have been good friends for many, many, many years. Uh, love to, you know, we don't see each other enough. We don't get to spend as much time as we'd like to, especially in the world we're in right now. But um, yeah, it's uh, a fantastic person. Can't say enough good things about Brian. Brian's good. I, and I'll put a link again. I noted that that show with him was really cool because we broke down. If you've never been up to Kamloops before, we talk about how to put together a trip up there. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Yeah, very and, applicable. Uh, yeah, good. So so even if people can't, I'm always thinking of that, like even if people can't make this, if they don't win the giveaway, if they can't make this trip, how do we provide some value here? And I, th- I think we've done a little bit of it. Uh, Phil, do you want to give us a uh, give us a fly? Uh, you know, I know you got a bunch of good flies, your own stuff and everything, but give us a top stillwater fly and a top tip for today. Yeah, I was, um, you know, I fished the Coronamids a lot and they were um, coming off. So, you know, some sort of chronomids you know you always black and red like a black body with a red rib is always a good starting point in 12 or 14 um black is just the most predominant pupil color um you can also do well there with a sinking line and a dragonfly nymph pattern there's one uh, called the gomphus which imitates the sprawling nymphs um that are Hmm. they're not as I always say they have a bad press agent. The big hourglass shaped darners get all the press, but these uh, little squat spider like uh, gonfus uh, trout really like them. So we use a simple pattern. that's just deer hair spun and clipped to shape um, with a couple of pheasant tail or hen pheasant legs. And um, I did well with a little damselfly nymph in around the, um, the weeds as well. Um, so that's always a good bet. Damselflies are active little predators swimming from ambush spot to ambush spot unlike the weeds trout like the weeds so swimming around in front of a larger bigger meaner kid on the block is not always a good thing and um also attractor flies too if the fish are down deep and um you know not uh willing to eat the natural stuff you can you can bring out the dark stuff as well your blobs and boobies and fabs and and stuff like that and trigger um a strike um just the way we fish those flies and just their garish um nature just sort of elicits that aggressive or territorial or curiosity um, reaction out of a fish so uh, all good things to do and if somebody is listening here and they're they're maybe they've got a lake a stillwater lake near them 
they've never been on Stillwater. They're going there. What, what do you tell somebody for their first time going to a lake if they're kind of new to it? I mean, like you mentioned a little bit, maybe go to the shallows. Um, any other tips you would give somebody just to be generally like, okay, how, how do they, you know, if, if, they're, if they are not catching any fish, where do you start on Stillwater? Well, the first thing I'd recommend is is invest 10 to 15 minutes on the shore and, and sort of, you know, be observant, look around, um, look for signs of moving fish, um, look for, um, cat, you know, shucks or um, signs of a hatch that have drifted in or, you know, dragonfly nymphs and damselfly nymphs crawl up on the shore, look in spider webs, um, you know, take a water temperature, um, you know, because trout like, you know, I usually lose like 55 uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit to 65 degrees Fahrenheit is a good, that's when they're active, their metabolism will be functioning. So looking for that kind of water, always love weed beds and areas of transition where they transition from shallow to deep uh, because the trout will cruise along those edges and look, you know, have the security of deep water nearby if something spooks them, but they can make a quick little foray onto those shallow areas and, and uh, have a few bites to eat. So, um, you know, the beautiful thing about, um, Google Earth nowadays is you can, and Skitchin's no exception, you can just punch in the lakes and then sort of zoom in on them and you can see the shallow areas and the All right. those kind of things. And then gives you an idea where to go. We spend most of our time fly fishing around the edges, um, not too much in the, the middle of the lake or, you know, if the lake sort of, uh, you know, sh- you know, typical lake shallow on the edges, deep in the middle, there's always exceptions to that too. But uh, yeah, you generally trying to target that water 20 feet deep or less because sunlight penetration stimulates weed growth. And from a uh, presentation perspective, you have lots of different options and different things you can do with sinking lines and floating lines and dry flies and indicators and lots of different options there. So, but that investment on the shore is, is critical. So many times I think people just so excited to be on the water and I'm no different, but uh, you got to temper that excitement and do a little, little, you know, 10 minutes invested. It'll save you hours of frustration sometimes. That's a good way to look at that because, yeah, I think everybody gets so excited. You know, again, I'm thinking like, all right, if I was to get up there, I'd be like ready to go. And yeah. and I'm curious, Dwight, for you, if you if you got out, you're one of your 15 days or whatever, you're giving it to a, a friend of yours and you're saying, hey, go up here and get some fish. What, what do you, you know, what advice do you give them uh, when they're getting going? Probably, and, you know, maybe this is cheating, Phil, but I'd probably <laughs> tell them to stick a green woolly bugger on a sinking line yeah. and row around for a bit. Nice. So that 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 always, yeah, some leech imitation. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Now, now you're speaking to my, my, my style. This is old school. This is, I love it. <laughs> So that's it. The, the buggers still work. We just had uh, Landon Mayer on recently too, and we were talking about his mini leech. And I was asking him like, "Well, th- this this is kind of like is kind of like sounds like uh, you know it's uh, well the woolly bugger. I mean, it always comes back to the woolly bugger because it is pretty much the greatest fly of all time. Everything and anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and exactly. Yeah, and I guess I just just throw one more in a beadhead Doc Spratley. If I could only ever have oh, one Doc's fly right. in my tackle box, I think that's probably what I go with because yeah. uh, it wow. seems to uh, it seems to work. And uh, I think I introduced it to Patagonia too because uh, I was down there fishing for trout once, and we had uh, a day when nothing was working. And uh, these uh, the guides in Argentina had laughed at me when I'd showed them this Doc Spratley thing until I caught thirteen fish on one, and after that, I noticed they all disappeared out of my fly box. Oh, there you go. There you go. What is the the Doc Spratley? What is that pattern? I'm trying to think. I feel like this is, I know the fly, but I don't really know what it looks like. Yeah, it was a pattern that was originally invented by a dentist. I think Doc Pritchard, Pratchard, I think, down in Mount Vernon, Washington. And it's become a classic British Columbia pattern. It, it's 
It's basically a guinea, um, you know, tied on like a 2XL, 3XL hook, um, guinea tail, um, a yarn body, like wool. Uh, originally, now there's some, you can dub it, you can do so many different things, but black, reds, greens with silver or gold mylar rib, a uh, wing of um, pheasant tail fibers that, you know, extends back to about the tip of the tail, maybe halfway up it, uh, yeah. a beard of guinea, and then a little um, head that takes up maybe an eighth or so of the shank of, of peacock curl. And then Dwight's bastardized it by sticking a bead on it. <laughs> a, a bead? <laughs> bead. Yeah, yeah well, he's put a bead on it. <laughs> like a hot spot? What, what color bead? Uh, gold, gold or silver bead. That's, yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. It's it's an attractor pattern. It it yeah, uh, yeah. mimics you know anything and everything. So uh, yeah. it uh, gets the job done when nothing else works. Gotcha. Yeah, it's very. I, to be honest, it's. I always you know friends of mine tease me about it. It's a fly I've never done well on, and and it was all. And I used to. I think it's that when I first started out, I didn't have the success others had on it. So I, I quickly you know always you know you always blame the fly, never the angler, and. Um, and then I used to have a neighbor that used to use them up at Loon Lake, which is another lake in the uh, interior of British Columbia, and used to troll around with them. And I used to tie them for him. And I think I tied so many, I just got, Ugh, right? So <laughs> it's a fly. Yeah, I, exactly. I, uh, people love to tease me about it, right? Tell them, tell, tell, I think they do it just to get a reaction. They tell me they got out in a Spratly and watch, watch me roll my eyes or shrug my shoulders or shake my head and walk away. <laughs> Yeah, right on. Right on. That's cool. I love the old, uh, yeah, the old traditional patterns. I always love getting a little history uh, lesson. So that's that's great to hear. Nice guys. Well, anything else we want to shed light on before we head out here? I feel like we've covered it pretty well today. Uh, anything we missed? I, I think uh, you know everyone deserves to know that uh, the uh, Bonaparte Provincial Park was uh, was uh, attacked by the Sparks Lake wildfire this summer. And uh, our lodge, uh, which sits on a peninsula uh, sticking out into Dagger Lake, was one of the few places that uh, survived the, the uh, fire unscathed, uh, probably from a confluence of little miracles, uh, uh, one of which was the fact that the highest point on our property is the water tower, big wooden structure with a 1,000, 1,200-gallon tank uh, sitting at the top. and. As the fire swept across the lake and around the sides of the lake, and uh, this was a Category Five Crown fire, so we're talking, uh, you know, about as as crazy a fire as you can get. Um, the first thing that caught fire uh, was our water tower, and it burned, and the tank collapsed and flooded the property and saved the lodge. Oh wow! Is that what happened? And uh, that and. Uh, we oh spent gosh. a lot of time, and I got to give kudos here. The BC Wildfire Service uh, has uh, trained at our lodge in the spring for many, many years. Uh, we feed them, we house them, and uh, they uh, teach their uh, their new uh, firefighters uh, some you know, backcountry stuff and how to work a chainsaw and all that good stuff. And uh, so uh, they uh, they were in there as soon as the smoke cleared to mop up and ensure that. Uh, the buildings didn't get uh, didn't get torched because uh, anybody who's been in the middle of a forest fire, and that's probably all of us in the last few years on the west coast of North America, knows. So we really uh, it's it's fascinating this year. Uh, you know, going to be fascinating for all of us. You, you can't get in there in the winter; the snow's too deep. Uh, you're not allowed to snowmobile, and it uh, you know slogging through six feet of you know BC coastal powder, which is in other words wet snow. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, it's no fun. Yeah. So, uh, so, but w- when we're up there in the spring, we'll have to see, uh, you know, see what the, uh, what the landscape looks like. Uh, but you're going to be able to, to witness the rebirth of the whole ecosystem. We have lakes that were untouched. Uh, we have lakes that were scorched. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a few lakes where, although I'm telling you there's boats on 15 lakes, let me rephrase that. There were boats on 15 lakes. There's a few lakes right. we weren't able to get into after the fire. Um, and uh, I know that aluminum uh, melts at 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. So I know it was hotter than that. <laughs> Jeez, crazy. So you have, so literally there's boats that are just, they're gone. They've completely I've got, melted. I've got pictures of boats that have melted and I've got pictures of, uh, it's almost like a fossil of a boat where it vaporized. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty intense in some places. Um, and interestingly, as we were up uh, cleaning up after the fire uh, and, uh, you know, getting things back in order, the uh, you get uh, obviously you get a lot of uh, of nutrients or and nitrates washed into the the lakes and you tend to get uh, plankton or algae blooms and uh, and you know, no one no one can tell you what the what the short or long term effects are going to be uh, it can be positive it can be neutral it can be negative yeah um, but the fishing was great after the fires oh, it was. <laughs> was uh yeah and uh and uh, the lodge was closed after the fires uh, and the partners all volunteered and went and cleaned up but uh when we got a chance to throw a line in uh the fish were pretty happy so uh, uh we're looking forward to this year i i think uh you know you will see beautiful and almost surreal uh landscapes uh and uh as i say there's part there's places that are green and you wouldn't know there was a forest fire and there's places where uh the dirt burned and all you see is granite. So, uh, wow. The, uh, but uh, as I said, the fish were still jumping, uh, everywhere I looked and, uh, we caught plenty. So, uh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll see what spring brings. That's it. Yeah. And, and for me, it, it is a cool, I mean, obviously fires are, a, you know, a natural process. So, I mean, obviously we're seeing different depending on where you're at and things like that. But no, I mean, I've seen the effects of fires and years after and yeah, I mean, th- stuff comes back, right. I mean, there's going to be growth again and, and things like that. And, you know, the fishing, as long as the fish is good, that's the key here, right? We want to make sure it sounds like that's going to be a good thing. So, um, so nice guys. Well, um, I feel good about where we, uh, where we've come from today. Um, I think if we, others have questions, we can direct them out to, uh, uh, com or fill all the stuff you have for, for, you know what I mean? Taking this to the next level on education. Um, but yeah, we're going to send them right now to, uh, like I said earlier, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway, and that's going to direct people over to this page where they can sign up and hopefully, you know, uh, win this giveaway and, and get up there and do some fishing and, and, uh, have a, have a good time. Uh, so what do you think guys, do you feel pretty good about how we covered it today? Yeah, I think that's great. I think uh, it's worth mentioning that, uh, we've got 12 spots in this school and, uh, you know, don't be shy about signing up. They'll go fast. And if you happen to win the giveaway, we'll give you your money back and uh, someone else can uh, buy the spot that, uh, that you just got for free. Yeah. So, uh, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Cause last year is filled up very quickly. And uh, so, you know, don't, <laughs> don't dawdle because two or three days later, everything could be filled up, which is. Uh, That's crazy. a great point. It's just a so yeah. Beautiful place. So we got the giveaway going, but yeah, if somebody's listening now and they're really interested in doing this, the best thing to do would be to, what would that be if they want to, well, they can enter the giveaway for sure, obviously, but what else can they do on top of that to make sure if they want to do this trip, like right now, what, which, what's the action? The uh, first thing they would do is email us at skitchinlodge at gmail.com. 
And uh, the trip is uh, 1995 Canadian, all inclusive. Uh, so that's uh, so nice, uh, a very attractive price, particularly oh, wow. for American guests. Yeah, how does that work? So America, so we're talking. Actually, we're going to get even uh, better savings from that, right? Yeah, you, uh, you, you know, what's the Canadian dollars running around uh, seventy nine, eighty cents U.S. these days? I haven't looked recently, but uh, yeah. yeah, you've, uh, you know, that think of it's on sale for our American fly fishing Holy friends. Holy cow! And, this, uh, this is amazing. This this is going to be like we're literally this is a super deal here, right? Yeah, That's and, about seven dollars and fifty cents, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's not that and, much. Yeah. yeah, you know, and we're finally able to welcome Americans back up to Canada after a couple of years of everybody being uh, forced to stay yeah. home. So uh, we Good. are uh, we're hoping that uh, we that uh, lots of people come up here. We love this place. Uh, there's uh, you know, it's not like it's overcrowded, and so we're encouraging uh, you know, encouraging uh, new visitors and. Uh, yeah, uh, once you're up there and you fall in love with it, we can talk about uh, about to becoming a partner. Uh, we also have uh, mm-hmm. an, a Skachin Adventure Club membership, which is like a mini partnership. Uh, it's quite affordable mm-hmm. uh, to keep you coming back um, because it is a place you come up, you you know the faces, you know the people, uh, and uh, feels like coming home. Yeah, this is this is really cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, obviously, uh, this is one we could we could probably get another hour to it easily. But uh, I'm gonna cut it. Respect everybody's time here, and uh, and we're gonna get out of here. Like I said, we'll send everybody over um, either to uh, Skachin right now if they want to uh, get in on uh, actually signing up for the school or uh, wetflyswing.com uh, slash giveaway for that. So uh, thanks again for all your time today, uh, Dwight, Phil. This has been amazing, and I appreciate uh, everything you guys are doing out there. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Good Dave. You, really Dave. appreciate it. So there you go. If you want to find the show notes, the links, everything else we covered on this episode to date, 307, wetflyswing.com slash 307 will get you there. Reminder, uh, the giveaway, the big giveaway is going on right now, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway. This is your chance to enter to win this Kachin trip. Or if you want to, you can just go right now and just actually get the trip for yourself. You can purchase it if you want to go over there. I'm going to be there be amazing connect to uh, connect with you if you're interested. Um, but uh, hope to uh, hope you got a little bit of bonus, a little bit of good stuff out of this, and hope to see you soon. Hope to see you at Skachin if I can. On the water. On the water. There's an opportunity. On the water. Or if I can't, online, I'll take that as well. Dave at wetflyswing.com. Okay. Have a good one.